You're listening to Pondering the Bible, a deeper dive into the books of the Bible. Greetings and welcome to Pondering the Bible. I'm your co-host, Ken Corkins. And with me, as always, is my longtime friend and pastor, Rocky Ellison. Hello. This is Season 8, Episode 7, and as always, we pray we're sponsored by the Holy Spirit. Amen. Interesting fact. Okay. This is our 100th episode. Oh, this is it. This is this number is 100. 100. Yep. Yeah. So we've had all kinds of weird ideas about what to do to celebrate 100. Hold on. Celebration. At this point, none of that's going to come to fruition. There were no trophies, no celebrations, no stories. But this is our 100th episode that we've published. So let's just toast to celebrations, everyone. That's a lot. You sick of it? You had enough? No, oh, no, okay. no. I thoroughly enjoy this. <laughs> so, <laughs> as long as we have one listener, <laughs> I don't know. It's a lot of work for one person. Because even if everybody else thinks different, and you're just one person, you're still a person. <laughs> <laughs> now we've got a, we have a pretty good solid following. It seems to be about the same. I mean, it rises and falls every week, but it's still around the same number every week that kind of follows us along. And so it's worth doing for sure. And they're not all our local church community either. No. We get them from all over the world as well as all over the country. It's kind of amazing to watch. Thank you. Thank you to everyone who who listens to us. I would love to hear your critiques and criticisms of the podcast. If you get a chance, drop me an email at pondermethodist at gmail.com. Would love to hear your thoughts on it. Get rid of Ken. We got to get rid of that guy. <laughs> yeah. Ken's on serious. Okay, can you be serious for one minute, please? All right. So, getting into this week's episode, what are we covering tonight? What book, gonna, chapter, and verses? going to finish chapter two tonight. So, verses 19 through 22 of chapter two. Be reading from the New Living Translation. Most translations will be rough, roughly comparable. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together, we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his Holy Spirit. Amen. So this is kind of a a shorter reading than we normally try and tackle. Um, And it almost feels like this is kind of, I don't, there's a separate heading in my NLT. So is this kind of tied to the previous pericope, the, the last reading we had last week? Is this kind of the same idea? It absolutely is. In fact, uh, in many Bibles, uh, verses 19 through 22 are included in the previous section, 11 through 18. And I think most pastors would probably preach 11 through 22 in a, in a, as one sermon, but I just, I couldn't make that all fit within the time frame of, of what we do in worship on a Sunday morning. And so I had to break it into two. But yeah, we're continuing last week's thing. Last week, he was talking about unity in the church, and he was portraying it as some people were near to God, some people were far from God. And he tied that in to the physical layout 
of the Holy Temple in Jerusalem, where Gentiles were kept at a great distance from God. And then the more Jewish you were, the closer <laughs> you could physically get into the temple to where God lives. And so I want to, I want to real quickly review the layout of the temple because he's going to continue that theme tonight. The temple itself was a huge complex. It was roughly three American football fields wide, the width of three American football fields, and three American football fields long. So if you took the width of an American football field, put three of them side by side, and then three of them downfield, that's the size of the temple grounds. It's a huge, big facility. Go long. Yeah. I got a pass for you. Go long. <laughs> Go really long. No, farther, farther. And there was about a, a 15 to 20 foot wide area that ran on the west, south, and east sides of the temple complex. And that's where Gentiles could be in that outer court, the court of the Gentiles. That's also where money changers, money lenders, and buyers and sellers put up their tables. So Gentiles could only be on the farthest possible ring away from the the central feature of the Holy Temple. And even they couldn't really fill up that space because it was taken up by by Jewish sellers and then Jews trying to buy animals for sacrifice or trying to change their money to good Jewish money so that they could make a, a, a payment, a tithe at the, of temple tax. So Gentiles really were kept at bay. The other, the other interesting is from where they were at in that outer ring, they could not at all see the central building of the temple. And, and we're going to talk about that. The holy place and the holy of holies were in a building that was roughly 40 feet wide, 40 feet long, and 60 feet tall. It was the central feature of the temple complex. But Gentiles couldn't even see that building. Hmm. There was a five-foot marble wall that separated them from the interior of the temple complex. It had little slits in it, and, and Jewish people could walk through those slits into what was called the Court of Women and Children. And any Jew by blood, whether you believed in God or not, if you were Jewish by DNA, you could walk into the Court of Women and Children. And from that place you could see about the top third of that building. And, and the building is significant because in many Jewish minds, that's where God lives. Right. He's in a golden box in that building. Right, the Ark of the Covenant. Right, exactly. And, and so Gentiles couldn't see the building where God lives. Any Jew, whether religious or not, could walk in and see from the court of women and children at the top of the building where God lives. If you continued towards that building and you were male, you were allowed to climb a set of steps. And then there was another five-foot marble wall with more slits, and men only could go through those slits. And now you entered the court of Israel or the court of men. It was called by both names. And from there, you could see the entire building. And it's a, a fabulously ornate building in the, in the Herodian temple. 
if you happen to be a, a certified Levite priest, you could go one step closer yet up the another set of steps to the court of priests. Uh, and there from there you were you were probably within 50 feet of this building. And so you could see the whole building, you could see the detail on the 30-foot tall doors mm. to go into this building. Now, every morning at sunrise, there was a lottery. And one priest was selected to be the priest of the day. And they would open those 30-foot-tall wooden doors, and he could walk into the holy place. Right. And and in there was a, a table about a golden table, solid gold, 18 inches tall, 18 inches wide, three feet long. And on it were 12 loaves of bread, one loaf for every tribe of Israel. Right. They called that the showbread? Exactly. Right? Okay. Yes. There was a golden <clears throat> menorah. And the priest of the day would make sure that, that each of the seven holders had enough lamp, uh, oil in them that the menorah would not go out, that it would stay burning for the next 24 hours. And then there was a, a large golden bowl, and he would take a very special mixture of herbs and, and chemicals that was specific to the temple. No one else could use this exact mixture. And he would throw those in the golden bowl, and he would set them on fire, and it would burn as if incense and give off a cloud, uh, a smoke rising up in a sweet odor to God. And then he would stand in front of this huge purple curtain that ran from floor to ceiling, 60 foot tall. And he would pray for Israel, pray for the sins of his country and pray for uh, their relationship with God. And he knew that just on the other side of that curtain, is the Ark of the, is the Holy of Holies, right. the Ark of the Covenant, and the the physical place where God lives. Now they believed that God was everywhere in the world. You couldn't go anywhere in the world and and not have access to God. But they believed that His physical presence lived in the Ark of the Covenant, in the Holy of Holies, and on one day only, for one hour on that day. The high priest only was allowed to go through that curtain into the ark, and, and he would sit on the ark, sit in the lap of God, right. and, and do a, a ceremony for the sins of, of Israel. So the reason this is all important is it's because if you're a Gentile, you can't even see the building God lives in. Right. If you're a woman or a child, you can see the building, but you can't see any deal, just the, the, the top of the structure. If you're a man, you can see the whole building, but that's as close as you can get. If you're a priest, you might get the chance to go into the building and be close to God. And only the high priest ever got to be with God. Right. And so as a Jew, you're closer to God than a Gentile, but unless you're the high priest, you're never that close no, to God. You're no. always separated. No from one is sense. ever with God. Well, right. in, in these four verses today, 19 through 22, Paul's going to address unity in the church and being with God. Right. So. Okay. Let's see that. How the, so let's, uh, let's go, what, verse by verse. I'll yes, start please. with uh, verse 19. So now you Gentiles are no, are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Yes. Okay, so 
is this still the physical near and far thing we were talking about, or what's no, he doing here? Now he's talking about spiritually what has changed. It doesn't really matter anymore where you are on the planet. If you ever get to see the Holy Temple or not, he's talking about spiritual proximity to God. He uses two interesting words there. He says strangers and foreigners. The Greek words for those are xenoi and paroikos. And they do mean strangers and foreigners, but they have a very negative connotation. They mean untrustworthy, deceitful, devious. So he says you used to be considered creeps. <laughs> yeah, just the lowest of the low. You were deceitful, devious. Even if you were a convert to Judaism, we didn't trust you. Right. You're not the right blood. God couldn't want you or love you. So, yes, we have to let you go through this ceremony, but we're not going to let you close to our God. You still can't go into the court of women and children uh, because we. you're just not trustworthy. And he, he says that, but now, because of Jesus... Now you are citizens of God's kingdom, of the holy kingdom, and in fact, you've been adopted in as members of Jesus' family. So you've gone from spiritually as far away as you could be from God to now you are in the inner circle. You are as close to God as Jesus is. You are a member of the family. Right. And so you don't really need a building. In that case. Yeah. It's spiritual. Right. It doesn't matter that I can't even get into the court of women, let alone into the the holy place, let alone right. the holy of holies. I don't need that because I am, heck, I'm on the inner circle now, really. I'm in with, I'm in God's family. So, yeah. Very cool. That's good news. Yes. Right? That's, it uh, is. Especially for a Gentile who would yeah. never, ever be allowed in there. Right. Okay. So let's move on then to verse 20. Together we are his house, built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. So what is his house? We, I just said it's no longer about physical building. What is his house he's talking about here? The church is no longer a location. The church is now people. Right. And Paul is very clear to speak in the plural here. It's not, you, it's not just that you become the temple of God. It's that all, we become, yes, yeah. all of us become the holy temple of God. It requires all of us in participation to be the new temple. And, and they would have all been familiar with what a great physical construct the holy temple in Jerusalem was. It was a, a feat of, it was a, an incredible feat of engineering to build a a, a place that size and of the quality that it was built. And Jesus says, so to build something like that, you got to have a great foundation. Here's your foundation. It's apostles and prophets. And by that, he means it's the teaching of the church. You need to know the Bible if you're going to be a Christian. Fair enough. Up to this point, the, the Gentiles haven't really had a need to know or study the Bible. Why do I need that? Right. And at this point, the letters of Paul, well, other than this one, they, had, they, weren't real, they were in circulation, but they weren't collected into one place. Right. And the Gentiles had, felt they had no need for the Jewish Bible. I won't call it the Old Testament right. after last week, but <laughs> they had no need to look at the, the Jewish Bible. But Paul is saying, 
and kind of what I said last week too is having that backstory, all that teaching helps us to better understand what the apostles, the teachings of Jesus told us, and then it also helps put in the context all the letters that the apostles wrote. Yes. So all of those things become what? The, the building? Yeah. The, the foundation. They allow us to be, yeah, the foundation of the new temple. Of the Christianity, right. And that's something that we're losing in contemporary America today. Frequently, I will have someone say to me, well, I think God is like this. Mm. And they'll tell me uh, about their God who saves everybody, no matter what religion they are and whether they've ever loved him or not. And because he's the God I know is such a loving God that nobody goes to hell ever, even if they were a lifelong atheist. And, and they tell me what, what God is like. And I will say to them, you know that is completely inconsistent with the Bible. It does not match what the Bible teaches. And you can just see the question marks over their heads like, so? Right. <laughs> what does that matter? Paul's the first one to say, if your God that you know isn't a biblical God, if he wasn't taught to you by the prophets and the apostles, you're worshiping the wrong God. You are not worshiping the real God. You don't get to make God in your image. Right. You need to reform your life into God's image. Right. The Bible reveals who God is to us. We don't know everything about God, but what we do know comes from yes. I'm smack in this Bible. You can't yes. see it on the podcast, but this reveals the true nature that we're aware of of God. And without it, you're free to make up whatever you want and be completely wrong. We talk about two different kinds of revelation. There is general revelation, and that comes from Romans chapter 1, where Paul says, if all you know about God, if all you ever hear in your entire life, you're a, you're a, you know, you live in the deepest, darkest Amazon and you have never heard the name Jesus ever. All you know is when you look up at the stars at night, you think to yourself, this can't be an accident. Somebody has to have built this. There must be someone in control. If that's all you know of God, that is general revelation revealed to you by the world around you. And, and that's what you'll be judged on, what you had access to. The Bible we call special revelation because it contains the intimate details and the specific facts about who God is, how God works, and how God saves. Right. And if you don't have access to that and you don't use it, uh, you're the one who's responsible for that failure. Paul says you can't build a, a, a correct church, a new temple, if you don't have that that biblical foundation. Right, and he ties both the the Jewish prophets and the we'll call them the New Testament apostles, all that teaching, because the apostles originally taught us what Jesus said. Right. And so he ties all that together, and that's the the core knowledge, if you will. Yeah. Of the new revelation. Yeah. And then he says, Jesus is specifically the cornerstone. Walls built on a foundation obviously put weight on the foundation and they can cause, they put stress on it. They can cause it to, to crumble, crack and crumble. And a corner where two walls meet is where the most stress is. It comes from two different directions. So you know, when you were building a large facility, you put a much larger, much harder stone on the corners of the foundation so that it wouldn't stress fracture and fall apart. And he says, Jesus is the cornerstone. And, and, and I take that to mean that if Jesus is not the focus of your faith, you are unfocused and your faith is not progressing correctly. Right. We just left a denomination that is 
completely infatuated and obsessed with social justice, taking care of the poor, rights, equal rights for people of every race, taking care of prisoners. And that's important. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with those ideals. Those are, those are very important. But for the denomination we just left, that was the beginning and the end of their relationship with God, is what do I do on social justice? Jesus and bringing people to Jesus was irrelevant. We were graduating pastors out of seminary who wanted to be the next Martin Luther King Jr. or the next Al Sharpton or the, the you know, one of those. They didn't want to necessarily pastor churches. They didn't necessarily want to talk to people about Jesus. They wanted to be a social progressive fixing a broken world. Jesus is the only one who can fix a broken world. Right. If you're not focusing on Jesus first, because he's the cornerstone. Without him, no world gets fixed ever. Right. And, and so we are reintroducing that in our, our in the global Methodist church and pushing that, that that the the beginning and the end of our of our local church purpose is to share the gospel, to share the good news about Jesus with people who do not know it. Right. Keep Jesus the cornerstone. Almost like the Alpha and the Omega. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> the beginning and the end. All right. So let's move on then to verse 21. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Okay. So what is my role in this new temple? He says we're being joined together and it's in terms of construction. And the really simple answer is, <clears throat> as an individual, you are one of the stones in the walls of the new temple. Pink Floyd, anyone? Different meaning there, but... <laughs> and, and, and the Apostle Peter catches on to this same idea in uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. He's talking about the same concept. Peter writes, You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. So Peter and Paul uh, both agree that all Christians together comprise the new temple. As an individual, you're one of the stones in the, in the new temple. Outstanding. Okay. Verse 22. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. So it, you've just told me I'm a stone in yeah. this new temple. Is there more to it than that? There is. If you remember when we were talking about the progression towards God, it ended up with the Ark of the Covenant in the Holy of Holies. Verse 22 of chapter 2, if you read it in the Greek, effectively says, he's just said, you're a stone. But in verse in 21, in 22, he goes on essentially to say, you are the new Ark of the Covenant. God right. formerly lived in that golden box. Now God lives in you. Right, with the indwelling Holy Spirit. Yes, you have a God alive, Him continually physically present inside of you. That makes you the ark. And that means you're even closer than the high priest could get. No one 
has ever in all of history been as close to God as you now are. And remember, the whole point of this is unity in the church. Right. And and, and so his, he's sort of summing up here with, so what reason do you have for being angry with anybody else in the church? Are they keeping you from being close to God? No, they are not. You're the ark. Right. You can't get any closer than that. You can't. So, so you're wasting energy to be angry with anyone else in the local church. Okay. Anything else on this one? No, we deliberately went with a short one tonight so that last week wouldn't have dragged on too long. (laughs) Okay. So now where are we going next week? Next week, I'm going to be out of town for four days. I'm going down to Austin, Texas to be ordained. I haven't forgotten your desire to be ordained into the new denomination, the Global Methodist Church. So we will have a lay speaker with us. It happens to be my daughter, Katie Bristow. And so I imagine we'll have her in here next next week to to do the interview. We'll see if she's brave enough to come back. <laughs> <laughs> a little challenge thrown out there. Challenge accepted. Okay, so have you given a sermon title yet? Yes, calling this one The New Temple. Okay. Real imaginative there. So if you'd like to listen to the sermon, it'll be on our website at www.pondergmc.org. At the top is a menu called Ministries. Click that, go down to Sermons, look for the sermon The New Temple, and this will have been delivered on July 30th, 2023. Where did the where did this year go? I don't know. How are this we already flying at the end so of fast. July? I don't anyway. know. Okay, I got a really bad dad joke for you today. Okay. Okay. How many clickbait articles does it take to change a light bulb? I don't know. The answer will shock you. (laughs) And with that, I think we'll close this episode. This is Ken Corkins and Rock Ellison reminding you to love God and be nice to people. Thanks for tuning in. You can find us at www.pondergmc.org. There, you can watch our live stream services, listen to replays of Rocky sermons, and find other interesting information about us. This has been Pondering the Bible.